Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant the things you need. Bed and breakfast, a recovery Monday <laughs> from the wildest divisional round that I can certainly remember. Uh, I'm in Kansas City. I was up very late after watching that game. I, I don't think I slept for maybe uh, more than a couple hours, uh, but hopefully all of you guys are, are waking up with us. It's good to have everybody back on a Monday with my guys, Reed Wallach and Peter Dewey. Uh, gentlemen, did, did you sleep? following i listen i I know both of you had an important nba issue to take care of uh peter was of course at at the knicks game yesterday and then reed i i don't know i'm trying to remember if the nets were on the road or not but both of you guys were tweeting about the nba in the midst of the the greatest football weekend i can remember in a long time but uh, how have you recovered uh since the wildness of everything that took place yesterday it was awesome man i watched the knicks game got back to my apartment by the time the bucks were on their final drive and fournette scored the touchdown so like i got to see the end of that game which was sweet and then uh watched obviously chiefs bills last night that was some some crazy stuff man that probably the best weekend of football i think we've had in a long long time i'm with you how about you reed I was on my couch for about 48 straight hours. If you can't, I have like a sore throat from just yelling at the screen between all the games, mainly football, but um, yeah, Nets were on the road. I mean, obviously I had two screens going with uh, the Nets game, you know, have to stay on brand talking about the Nets, but also, I mean, that last, in that football game, and I'm sure we're going to get into what happened, but I think all four of them were just out of control. Like, you can't, I tweeted, it was like as if it was a Mad Lib, like a sports Mad It was not real life, the things that were happening in these games between starting with the Tannehill interception, ending with the 13-second uh, debacle that the Bills had, in my opinion. I mean, just, yeah, there was definitely a lot of laying in bed, just like, got to decompress. <laughs> you just take it all down a little bit, because that was, you know, as nervy as it gets for a weekend. Well, where do we where do we start? I, I think we have to start with the Bills and the Chiefs purely based on the most amount of compelling football from the weekend in a weekend that was filled with incredible and compelling games. I mean, the the fact that this is remarkable to me, the fact that you had Tampa Bay come back and nearly do it again, being down twenty seven to three, turning the the Rams almost into a Falcons meme is is the second biggest story from the weekend that that's remarkable I, how many times do we still reference 28 to 3 now and yeah. often and now you have a situation where you had multiple touchdowns scored in the final two minutes of the game gabriel davis does something that no nfl player 
has ever done in a playoff. The last person to go for 200 plus yards and four touchdowns was Jerry Rice. And listen, I people, people in the fantasy community know Gabriel Davis um, in the betting community too, but most fans probably had not heard of him until yesterday. And he goes up and has arguably one of the, the greatest performances from a wide receiver in the playoffs that we've ever seen. I don't think you're going to see a more compelling matchup than what we saw from the Bills and the Chiefs because it was I think it's the best game that I've ever seen purely because of how evenly matched they were that it wasn't ever a situation where either team felt like they were dominant throughout because it, it kept being punch after punch from both sides. That to me made it stand out that it wasn't the 28 to three comeback from the Patriots was remarkable, but for three quarters, the Patriots were terrible. It, it wasn't compelling. This game from start to finish, all 60 minutes of this game was as compelling of a game as I have probably ever seen in my lifetime. What about you guys? That game had so many different, um, so many different aspects that like you think about are crazy. Like Patrick Mahomes going down the field at 13 seconds. Like when's the, when's the last time you, you've seen the team be able to happen. get into 13 seconds? Exactly. It doesn't happen. And we go into the game like the Bills defense is really, really good. We were told that the entire year, like they're great in yards per play, all this stuff. And then they come into this game and the Chiefs just tear them up. It was just, it was the perfect game from like you knew both teams were giving their best punch and nobody could stop them. Like it was, that was, that to me was like the the constant scoring in the second half is like, I don't think if these teams tried, like did anything else on defense that they could stop either offense. I wish we had different overtime rules, but that's a completely different story for uh, another day. But I mean, it was an absolutely awesome game. Yeah, Ben, I think you hit the nail on the head with like start to finish was awesome football. You know, like the Patriots game, I don't think qualifies because it's one team melting down almost where the other team is kind of peaking at the end where this one, like you said, was like a heavyweight prize fight where like these guys were kind of just throwing haymakers at each other. Like they scored three touchdowns in the last two minutes of the game. Like how does that happen? Like fourth down conversions, 13 second touchdown drives. My favorite, I guess, joke that was circulating on Twitter was that the Cowboys took longer to run that quarterback draw with Dak than (laughs) Mahomes ran down the field and got a field. Like that was, that was great. But no, I think that this has to take the cake better than that. Um, obviously regular season, but that Rams Chiefs game that was billed as like the the game of the century. Uh, what was that like three four years ago? I think that this game, yeah, it had everything. It had the theater. It had the uh, you know the stakes, all of it. And I mean, can we now talk about what happened with the Bills? Like my kind of you know, can I get out my soapbox and complain about the coaching? Because I always seem to always complain about the coaching. I thought about it as well. And initially when everybody was bringing up the concept of whether or not to, to kick it or not downfield, to me, I was like, you're, you're damned if you damned if you don't, because if it gets in the hands of somebody like Tyreek Hill or whoever was, was uh, recovering kickoffs for the Chiefs and they run it back, then the question is, well, why didn't you just kick it out of bounds? He still has to go 13 seconds. He still has 13 seconds to go 75. I, I disagree. I, I, they take all the time off the clock then. You, they, you make one of those – you take one less play of Mahomes for whatever that kick return is. There's probably There might be a hold. There might be – you know, I, I think you have to – again, these coaches get paid millions of dollars. I get paid nothing to watch – like I get paid nothing by watching these games. So, you know, I – why do I understand the, the basic rules of, you know, strategic football and these coaches don't? And it's not even just the Bills. It's just all these coaches in general. But – 
Then, not to mention, they should have just held on every play and make it a Mahomes Hail Mary. That's another like lost, right. you know, flaw on the rule. You know, they they you could have minimized the amount of attempts Mahomes got to get them into field goal range. This the Bills should have won one hundred percent. There is a way for you to make it unless they throw a Hail Mary touchdown for you to win that game. And I, I think about like college, yeah, I think about like college and NBA games and how often teams don't foul up three when the other team has mm-hmm. the final possession. Like it's it's right there in front of you. This and, is the the more I, right, and, and also to your point, to read the, the the more that I think about it, um, and, and I again initially last night my thought was you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But if you even if you just squib it, that's still taking time off the clock as well, and then you're still sort of forcing it where you're not going to get a long opportunity unless you have just a complete and total special teams breakdown. But Peter Peter brought this up, and I, I, we weren't actually even planning on talking about this, but. Um, I, I wrote an article late last night over at Betsided about the situation with regarding um, with regarding overtime because that was a major topic of conversation. The, I, and I was asking people like, okay, everybody's complaining about this. I would have enjoyed seeing both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have an opportunity in an overtime. But what do you actually have to, to do to change the rule? What what ideas? What concrete things can you actually change? And I want to run this idea by you because this was, and I'll I'll shout out whoever wrote it in in just a second who tweeted it at me. He said, here's how you actually change it. You can keep it a sudden death in overtime, but it's the first team to score eight points. So think about the strategy here. Let's say you're Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and you go downfield first couple minutes of overtime, you score a touchdown. The game is not over unless you get a two-point conversion. Mm-hmm. But say you want to kick the extra point, then you have to give the ball back to the other team, and then they have to go for two. They if they have to win the game on a touchdown and a two-point conversion. So the, the thought process here is great because if you're the opening team and you get possession, right, if you score and you go for two and you don't hit it, then all the other team has to do is score and kick an extra point. So then the whole aspect of strategy comes into play. And I then think you can make an argument that it might actually be more advantageous to be the team that doesn't start with the football. Because mm-hmm. then you know it's, it's like starting on defense in college football overtime. It's yeah. actually a decisive advantage because you know what happened on the other side. What, what do you guys think? And, and did you have any other ideas as to what the NFL can do to make overtime a bit more compelling and perhaps even a little bit more even. My, my only fear with that is just like, if you have two really good defenses, is anybody going to score eight points in 15 minutes? Like uh, mm-hmm. that would be my only thing. Well, but I'm, I'm only... sorry. The, the, just not, not, not to, not to cut you off. I, once each team has had a possession, then it's, then it becomes sudden death. I personally like the college overtime. I think that that is a simple, fair way to get it done. Maybe push it back for NFL. I just think the, almost like baseball style, like back and forth, you get a chance to match last licks. I think that that is a fair way to solve it. As of now, I've, I, it, the game was over when the Chiefs won the coin toss. We all knew that. Like it was, it, We knew it was over. Um, I get the game could kind of get long, but like why not one full extra period? Then I guess it goes to sudden death. Like it almost like becomes like another game. Like you have 15 minutes. Let's say it's tied after 15 minutes. You move on to second overtime, which then becomes sudden death. So like, let's just say, you know, it, it's tied again. We move on. Then whoever has the ball, you start right there. You don't like restart. Just wherever it is, you can kind of run the clock out, kick the field goal and win. 
maybe there's a little flaw in that too, but it's not fair to just take the ball out of a team like the Bills' hands. Maybe the game doesn't ever end, but it just doesn't feel right. You know, like that's not how the game should have ended. I think everyone could walk away saying like, eh. Like I get the Chiefs, they won and all that, but and I'm angry because I had the Bills, but uh, uh, I don't know. It just The one possession touchdown, that doesn't sit right with me. So it has to change. I guess I'd advocate for college or just one extra period. Peter, you've magically appeared back on the screen uh, after this whole overtime idea blew your mind. Uh, what's your perspective on, on what the league can do to make it at least uh, a more even product in overtime? Yeah, I'd like to see both teams get a possession, but I think similar to what Reed said, like playing the 15 minute, like, you know, the other the NBA, the college basketball, you have a time period, like just play the 15 minutes and whoever comes out on top of the 15 minutes. And then maybe if you don't get it, then you have to go sudden death. I think more so that's better in the playoffs than the regular season. Like I get how that can really extend regular season games, but like in the playoffs, I just think like, especially with how good that game was last night, this overtime uh, theory is just going to fall. It's going to be the lost art. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it, National Treasure page. Of, what is it? Page forty-seven. Like we'll never know what it is. Right. Yeah. You're you're gonna you're gonna have to to go to bet sided uh, a little bit later on in the day to to be yes. sure that you can find the, uh, the the perfect option. Um. So here's here's the other thing too, Reed, that I, I want to sort of dive into with you as, as we look look to try and get uh, Peter's connection back a little bit. Um. I think from everything that we saw yesterday is leading into a fairly compelling set of, of AFC and NFC championship matchups. Uh, you have the Chiefs, the seven-point favorites. Uh, that line opened at minus six and a half. Uh, conversely, you have the Rams at minus three and a half at home against the 49ers. Was there anything before sort of we set up these matchups mm-hmm. that you think is worth discussion, something that – uh, in particular, because I, I know, Peter, you have some some trends and analysis, and, and I do too, about the actual matchups. But I, I know you wanted to talk about some things that, in particular, stood out to you that made these matchups eventually happen. What were they? Yeah, I think that what really was interesting to me, and I think it's a good kind of way to begin to craft how these championship games are going to go, is the defensive line play. I mean, let's start in the NFC with the 49ers and the Rams, for that matter. Both defensive lines owned the opposing team. I mean, you see Nick Bosa was living in the backfield against the Packers. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but what did Aaron Rodgers have besides that first drive and that one broken play to Aaron Jones? 60 yards passing? I mean, the Packers, I know Jimmy G is going to get a lot of, you know, questions around him. You know, he looked terrible. I mean, listen, the 49ers, I said it all week. I said the Niners are going to win outright. They ran all over the Packers. They had a game plan. They executed it. Their game plan on the defensive side was, we're going to rush Aaron Rodgers. We're going to put him in difficult situations. And guess what? That cold weather ended up impacting the Packers, too. They lost at their own game. So, you know, and then on the other side, the Rams were over Tom Brady. I mean, I know Tristan Wolfs were out. I know Ryan Jensen was banged up. And, you know, the Rams nearly blew it. And we'll get into that, I guess, a little bit also. But, the Rams defense really showed up. I'm curious how, you know, with Trent Williams injury, how's that going to pan out? And then look at the AFC. Joe Burrow sacked nine times. I don't really think the Bengals should have won that game, to be honest with you. And if that if Burrow's going to get sacked nine times, again, they will get blown out. They will lose by three touchdowns because the Chiefs offense is not going to do what Ryan Tannehill did all game. So I think the trench play, and there's a few key injuries all over, you know, these four teams that are going to, I think, set the – the stage for who's going to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and I will say this too, from, from the perspective of inside the trenches, I, 
Chris Jones played in the game against the uh, the Bengals a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and you know they they didn't get the amount of pressure in the second half that they wanted to. But I will say from from this perspective, um, you know, he didn't play in the Buffalo game, and I think a lot of the perception was well. Um, they, they weren't able to get to, to Josh Allen at all. They, they generated a little bit more pressure this time. And, yeah. and yet Allen still was, was flawless. I, I think the, the matchup, especially where I, I know you were, you were on the 49ers last week. I I'm on the Rams this week, despite a lot of the trends going against Sean McVay. He's lost Kyle Shanahan six consecutive times. Um, you know, the, the 49ers have, have thoroughly outplayed the Rams. But I also think there's been some learning lessons over the last few weeks for Los Angeles. You already blew a 17-0 lead at home to San Francisco and ended up losing that game, costing you valuable uh, positioning in the postseason. So far, it hasn't been an effect. Then you almost blow the game, or I'm sorry, then then you have a, a great game against Arizona. But in the following week, you nearly blow a, a four-possession lead. I think at some point the urgency needed to hit the Rams in the face and it's happened multiple times. You can make the argument that maybe that leads to the fact that they've been getting the breaks that they've needed to. But I, I just think from a talent level, they still are the more talented team relative to San Francisco. And for Matthew Stafford, I, I think the narrative well, from a national level is changing, but nobody has more comeback victories um, since he entered the league. Uh, he leads everybody more than Brady, more than Mahomes, more than Aaron Rodgers, uh, since Matthew Stafford came into the league. Um, it's in the the forties. This is a dude that is poised in, in big situations and he's only had five playoff games to his career. So I know he's had some bad records against winning teams, but this is somebody that's been in these situations before that's comfortable in it. And he's going to be the difference maker yet again. I, I like the Rams even with the hook this week. And I don't know how you feel about it as well, Reed. Yeah. So I am tied up in some 49ers futures. I'm probably going to hedge a little bit. I have them to win the NFC and to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to probably hedge and then, you know, probably get back involved in like 49ers um, on the spread. I It's just over three during the game because I had thought the Rams game was uh, – the Rams-Bucks game was over. I took some early plus four on the Niners. I thought that was wrong because I expected it to come – like I think the Niners are going to be a trendy pick this week. I don't know if they're going to win. I just – you got to see the injury report. I mean, Debo got hurt. Kilo got hurt. Williams got hurt. Jimmy's – Got like I mean this Niners team is as banged up as could be. So I'm gonna have to see. My early lean is to San Francisco though, kind of to push back just on. I think Shanahan has their number. I, I think that the Rams have gotten a few things go their way this postseason. You know, with the injuries on the Bucks offensive line, the Cardinals just laying a big egg. You know, it feels like the Niners are really kind of peaking here and. I don't know. Their defensive line is really there. He is. He's back. <laughs> um, I think that the 49ers defense is really starting to peak a little bit. And I understand the secondary may have some issues and Cooper Cup's going to be a little handle, but I don't know. I kind of just think that this is the Niners time right now. I think they're peaking. It's kind of just like a gut feel thing. Pete, we're Reed and I are on, are on disagreeing sides. I like the Rams minus three and a half this week. Peter's going to be on the, or uh, Reed's going to be on the 49ers. Uh, do you have a side when it comes to an early lean in the NFC Championship game. 
I got to go with the Rams, man. I don't trust the 49ers offense. I just don't think they could score at all. I mean, they lucked out that they blocked the punt. It was a great defense, great special teams play. But I just I think the Rams offense is too explosive, and they have a very good defense, as we saw in the, the first half of that Bucks game. The My only pushback on the 49ers offense is they just played in like zero-degree temperatures. They're now going to a beautiful, beautiful, likely full of red uh, SoFi Stadium on Sunday or yeah, Sunday night. So Sunday afternoon, I guess on the West coast, I just, I think that this 49ers offense now is starting to be a little undervalued. You know, I, I understand it's not pretty, but sorry, oh, we lost him again. Uh, <laughs> I think that this 49ers offense, it, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw kind of a, maybe an explosive performance out of the 49ers offense, obviously again, pending good health, I think that they might be sitting on a bigger performance than teams are starting to give them credit for just based on the optics of the uh, Green Bay game. It, it makes total sense. Like you can make a fairly compelling argument for the 49ers side, and I'm not going to poo-poo it at all. So yeah. To me, I, I've, I've always just looked at this Rams team as, as built for the postseason, and now that they've had two games under their belt where they've been very impressive in both of them up until you know sort of the very end, that, that stood out to me especially with their pass rush looking as good as it's been. Um, and then also taking out Brady at home in the process. To me, that that's fairly mm-hmm. substantial. Really quickly, before we get into our, our best bets of the night, let, let's quickly go over Kansas City and Cincinnati. Mentioned that the Chiefs are seven-point favorites. Total in that game right now at 53. That's moved up a full point and a half since it opened last night at 51 and a half. I love the over in this game, and this is somebody that's taken the under in the Chiefs games the last two weeks. Um, Reed, I don't know if you know this, but even living in Kansas City, me betting on any side of the Chiefs game is complete and total kryptonite. I always <laughs> find a way to screw it up. So for everybody that's you know watching or listening in Kansas City, uh, I have made sure that I did not mush on the Chiefs for your benefit. This is for you. This is so the, the city that I live in can thrive. But I, I love the over here because it's going to be a matchup where, again, the Chiefs have faced Cincinnati before. They put up 28 points in about the first 20 minutes the last time they've played. Cincinnati's now dealing with even more injuries, particularly in their pass rush. That's a concern for me. Uh, You know how capable and explosive the Chiefs' offense can be when they're working on it and their mindset is right. It's a revenge game again for them from the regular season. But then you also have Cincinnati, who put up a ton of points against the Chiefs. They put up 34 last time they played in Cincinnati. And now the Chiefs are dealing with some major issues in their secondary. They may not have Tyron Matthew. There's just all sorts of injuries and concerns and no ability to adjust on some of the more dangerous players in the league. Jamar Chase put up the best wide receiver game of the season for 266 yards and three touchdowns the last time they played. You saw what happened with Gabriel Davis, 200-plus yards and four touchdowns. Even if the Chiefs make a more collective effort to try to slow down Chase, you still have T. Higgins, you still have Tyler Boyd, and you still have Joe Mixon and C.J. Uzoma to deal with. I just think both quarterbacks are going to go back and forth, and that's why I feel more comfortable taking the total as opposed to a side, even though I expect the Chiefs to win. What about you? Yeah, um, I think uh, a long teaser. It's not like that's not a long teaser. Just a teaser. Niners Chiefs is just money. Like I, you know, like that's. Get, I, I know it's not like your typical through three and seven, but I mean. Niners to stay close, Chiefs to win, pretty much. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a pretty good one, in my opinion, just because I think the Niners have the game plan to hang with the Rams. And I, the Bengals' offensive line is terrible, and 
they were outgained on a yards per play basis in both their playoff games. I understand Joe Burrow, he's the man and everything, and I'm a big Joe Burrow guy, but look at what we just watched, and I do agree that the Tyron Matthew injury is going to be huge. If he doesn't get out of concussion protocol, that's a, that's a big blow to the Chiefs' secondary, but if they're able to get any sort of pressure on Burrow, I just, you know, I really, really, you know, I don't know. I just think the Chiefs, it's a different league. You know, I think the the Bengals are a really good story, and I really like them going forward. But that was, in my opinion, the AFC Championship game. I know many. it sounds easy, but I like the Chiefs. I'm going to stay at the total. I think if I play this game, anything would be Chiefs or nothing, just because I could see this one getting sideways really quickly for the Bengals. Like, if they fall behind the sticks and they end up punting on, like, two straight drives – I really don't see the Bengals getting enough stops to stay in this game. If you go back to that week, um, what was it, week 15? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, the, you know, the game against Cincinnati was week 17. Week 17, I'm sorry. Um, the win probability was all in the Chiefs' favor. There were a lot of like, crucial penalties and such that kind of went haywire. Now at Arrowhead, I don't know, first time. I'm going to look into this for bet-sided. Um, I'll have an article up on it later this week on – first-time championship game quarterbacks, how they perform against the spread and trade up. I don't know that number off the top of my head. It's Monday morning, but um, I just I can't back this Bengals team with their issues in the trenches against this Chiefs team and that offense kind of humming right now. All right. Uh, really good stuff. Plenty more conversation uh, I had over at uh, BetSided, and uh, I assure you that uh, Peter's analysis will be there as well, regardless of uh, you know his, his inability, unfortunately, on the restream. Just – just sometimes, man, your your internet's got a got a little demon in it, and yeah. uh, it screws with you. But uh, uh, he does, uh, does does awesome stuff for us, and uh, we'll definitely make sure that analysis. We'll share his best bet too. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. We will share. I, I'll, we'll, let's, let's go. Let's go ahead and, and, and dive into. It. I will show Peter's best bet. Funny story, a little inside radio. Um, you know, we we put together our rundown for the show uh, either late in the late in the evening prior or in the morning, and I just you know joked like oh peter's probably going to take the Knicks plus seven and a half against the Cavs, and then he'll just change it nope sure enough that's his play he is going with the Knicks plus seven and a half on, on the back-to-back uh against cleveland tonight on the road uh Cavs still the fact that they continue to hang around this long has been impressive, awesome, impressive. and uh the Knicks got a nice little win the other day so uh, it's a back-to-back game but they've actually been okay in those spots over the course of the year so he is on the Knicks plus seven and a half. Uh, you and I, this is, I think, my first college basketball bet on Bet and Breakfast history. So I'll, I'll let I'll let the king of college basketball go first uh, before I make some sort of compelling pick because I'm also going to be there tonight. So go ahead. Well, the king wasn't super great after a great Monday to Friday. He kind of slowed up on Saturday. A lot of just bad bounces. But we get back on the saddle uh, Monday night. I'm going to go with the over in Virginia Tech, North Carolina. This is a Virginia Tech team that likes to play at a very slow pace outside the top 300, but I think that this game is really going to set up for points against North Carolina, top 50 in adjusted pace. It's at the, um, it's in Chapel Hill, so I'm expecting kind of this game to be played on their terms, but UNC doesn't generate turnovers at all. Bottom five in the country in turnover rates. So I think Virginia Tech's going to be able to run their offense, get some looks. They're a really good three-point shooting team, top 10 in the country. North Carolina, they're, they're going to try and run. Virginia Tech, I don't really see them getting any stops. So I expect a ton of points in this one. I think it's going to be fast-paced. Virginia Tech, I think they can hang around, maybe some free throws at the end, two good free throw shooting teams. I like each team to break 70 in this game to obviously go over 141 and a half. All right, like to play on the over in a little bit of ACC action. Uh, I will be attending the University of Kansas game tonight uh, against Texas Tech. So 
excited for uh, my little trek out to Lawrence this evening, and I will take KU minus seven. It's a revenge game for them. Fuck. I beat them uh, in their home building uh, the last time these two teams played. KU, I don't know how much attention you're paying You're paying to the game against KC. I, of course, was. Yeah, huge comeback for them against the division rival, which they always expect to beat anyway. Also, very emotional game. Uh, Bill Self's father had, had passed away on Friday, uh, so it was important, a, a good rallying opportunity for them. Uh, initially, my, my first thought was, you know, Saturday through Monday game, that could be a little bit difficult. But um, Bill Self has more Big 12 championships than losses at Allen Fieldhouse. <laughs> Um, the, the seven doesn't feel like uh, a too high of a number to climb, especially with him returning home, especially with their players playing as hard for him as they have been uh, over the last couple games and, and the amount of meaning that that place has for Bill, for his father, and for, for the rest of the team. I, I think they come out explosive. I think they dictate tempo against Ken Palm's number four defense in Texas Tech. Uh, so give me the Jayhawks to cover that number. I think they probably hang around between – you know, eight and 12 points throughout the game uh, and eventually close it out the way that they want to. Uh, yeah. So there are our, our best bets for tonight. I don't know if, uh, Reed, I don't know how you, how you feel about uh, the, the KU matchup tonight. Uh, am I on the right side here, you think? Yeah, I, I, number feels pretty good. Uh, you know, right around seven feels fine to me. Revenge spot also. Uh, tough to sweep uh, Bill Self in conference play. Happened um, one time since he got to KU, and that was the 2018 Oklahoma State Cowboys. It's the only yeah. time ever happened in Kansas. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching that one. I love O'Shea Abaji. I think he's fantastic. Uh, Dave McCormick's on my kind of I, – I can't really. Just one of those guys I really can't get behind. But, no, I think it's a good spot for KU. Um, maybe pull away with free throws at the line. But on uh, Allen Fieldhouse, that's one of my, like, uh, bucket lists. I want to go more than anything, so – at least you'll be there, and obviously you got to ride KU if you're going. Yeah, have to. And and, and next time you're ever in Kansas City, you you, you yes. let me know. Yes, yeah. things we do. <laughs> I, I know I know a guy who knows a guy that, uh, that <laughs> helped me get some tickets for this one. Shout out to uh, shout out to my buddy Seth. Uh, so there you have it. Thank you guys for for hanging out with us on Bet and Breakfast uh, today. For my guys Reed and Peter, I am Ben. Make sure you guys are subscribing to us as well. Also, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Make sure you give us the thumbs up as well. We would greatly appreciate it. We'll have another video coming out on the YouTube channel a little bit later on for our favorite early leans for the AFC and NFC Championship. And, of course, we'll be back here on Bet and Breakfast on Thursday. So we'll talk to you guys then. So long. May all of your bets hit tonight.